Well, our next guest should be able to offer a word or two of guidance in that area because he himself suffered such attacks but against all the odds he cured himself and now runs a successful business helping others similarly affected. Charles Linden joins us now. Good evening to you. Good evening. I think I'd better start off by asking what is a panic attack? Um, a panic attack is, is a, a group of symptoms that arise from increased anxiety. Um, things like a racing heart, butterflies in the stomach, chest pain. Um, some people get smothering sensations and headaches and things like that. Mm. Uh, it's a group of symptoms um, that arise from uh, a raising anxiety level. Now, I've always been a person um, that has believed that you are in control of yourself. Of you, in, you are in control of your own emotions. Um, a panic attack, to me, in the past has always been something that uh, it has been a situation where a person has allowed themselves to get out of control that's the way I saw it until I actually had one myself and I was saying to Tony a few moments ago I had a panic attack you know because Tony didn't know this mm -hmm. um, and and I said shall I talk about it and I thought yeah I will talk about it for the simple reason that a lot of people are in, in under the impression that confident people can't get panic attacks and they think well you're a confident person why should you have a panic attack actually what I found is that, that mostly it's confident people who get panic attacks um, it's people it's uh, the higher end of the intelligence spectrum if you like people who have a vivid imagination people who are very eloquent people who are imaginative and absolutely yeah mm. that seems to be the case uh, and mine was a situation where it came about where I was going through a very bad time in my life um, with a partner that was very brutal very yes. violent and um, and I think it was um, my mind trying to keep things together because I had a, a young child mm -hmm. um, and I was trying to get to grips with what had happened to me, what had been happening to me. Um, and then one day I was sitting there and all of a sudden, snap, yes. it happened. Yeah. And um, it, it sort of affected me. It was very, very frightening for me um, because I never had anything like it before and I never had anything like it again after I sort of got to grips with it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, a, it was a very, very strange and frightening sensation where um, I just felt a very strange buzzing sensation in my head and I w was blacking out and I thought I was dying. Mm -hmm. And panic set in and my heart started to race and I thought this is it, this is the end. Um, and I was taken to hospital and they gave me a Valium injection to calm me down. Right. Uh, convinced me that I wasn't dying, that I was a very healthy <laughs> young woman. And, um, and I felt very happy obviously with the injection because it, it calmed me down and I thought oh I could do with a little bit more of that yes and I said you know could I could I have some tablets or something to, to so that I, I can chill feel and they said no they, they gave me a brown paper bag and said next time you feel like that breathe in it yes well, that's <laughs> Take deep advice, but the majority of people have a completely different experience mm. um, they do get onto the medication mm. um, do they yeah and, and once you're on that mm. downward spiral it's bad news isn't it absolutely mm. um, not only do the medications produce side effects mm. Um, but they're a crutch, really. Um, they, they prevent you from actually moving forward and, and solving the mm. situation, solving the problem. Absolutely. I think, I think it, you, know, thank, you know, thank you to the hospital for not handing out drugs so readily, because some, some doctors and some hospitals do. Um, yeah. They didn't in my case. And, um, and for me, it was just it was taking that brown paper bag. And when I felt like I, w I was going to have an attack, breathing into it and controlling my breathing, because breathing is part of it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I mean, anxiety causes a lot of bodily reac reactions, which are um, 
pretty much uncontrollable most of the time. Um, there are two levels of consciousness. Obviously, there's the, the conscious mind, which controls what you do and say. Um, the subconscious mind actually controls things like breathing and circulation. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard to control that part of the, of the mind. Mm -hmm. um, but it can be done behaviorally. Um, most doctors are under the impression that you can actually control it using drug therapy. Um, drug therapy is commonly used for things like um, uh, depressive illnesses. Um, but people get pigeonholed as, as, as depressive, um, even though anxiety is actually the root problem. So what, what actually... Just to, just to interject, if I may, Julie, please, uh, we've heard your symptoms, we've heard your experiences. How closely did your experience personally, uh, Charles, match those of Julie's? Pretty closely. I think most people suffer the same kind of symptoms. What time of your life did it happen to you? Um, it started, I, I lived in Germany for about five years, uh, and it was, it was halfway through that really. It started mildly. Um, to start with, I just, uh, you know, dizziness, um, you know, shaky legs, just occasional things. I was working too hard, I was working long hours and, and silly hours really. So it's all stress related? Absolutely, yeah. But the catalyst for an anxiety disorder is very different from person to person. Yeah. Um, some people it could be bereavement, some people it could be stress, work stress. Other people it could be something very, very simple like a, a near car crash, for example. Uh, and that's the catalyst that kickstarts the behaviour which perpetuates the anxiety disorder and starts this, um, this behavior in the subconscious mind. Um, and then it becomes instinctual almost. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and once that instinct is, is um, implanted in the brain, uh, in, a, in a part of the brain actually called the, the amygdala, which is in the limbic system, um, and this is the part of the brain that controls the um, emotional response to anxiety triggers and, and a lot of other uh, sorry, uh, emotional responses. And once it's, it's seated in there, and fixed in there, that behavior is perpetuated by that because for all intents and purposes the, the amygdala thinks that this, uh, this high level of anxiety is completely normal for your yes. body. So um, as a result it, it instinctually carries on at that level. Um, and what most doctors miss and what psych psychologists miss is the fact that is, that is the root cause of the anxiety, not the, the catalyst whatever it was. Mm. So it's that that needs treating. Let's take a call on this. Uh, put your headphones on, please, if you will, Charles. Absolutely. Carol's in West Heath. Good evening, Carol. Hi, Tony. Hi. Hi. Right, and what's your experience in all of this, then, Carol? Um, I've suffered panic attacks um, for about 25 years now. Just um, a long time. I started when my children were young, and I didn't know what it was. And like yourself, Julie, I was just listening. I was rushed away to hospital because I thought I was choking to death. Mm and my heart was racing and everything and um you were saying about um you're glad that hospitals are not free with pills yeah i have been on diazepam for 25 years wow oh. and so really maybe it's the tablets you're battling with now i and, can't and not i can't i mean they told me when i went on those they wasn't addictive and um i've tried coming off those and mm. it was all because of these panic attacks you know where i'd even I could be out shopping and suddenly I, had to, I just would sweat and get headaches and my heart would go and everything. It was just so scary. And I <coughs> went into hospital three times. You say you've had panic attacks for the last 25 years and, and you're still on this drug, so that would suggest to me they're not working. Well, they're a, they're a drug that, as I said, and I don't know whether the gentleman who's with you would agree with this, that they're a, when I first went on them, they said, you know, to help you, because I really was bad. I mean, I was almost agoraphobic, couldn't get out of the house because of these panic attacks. Mm. And um, they told me the words addictive. But, but do you still have the panic attacks? Not as bad, because I'm... 
Well, no, not as bad because I've learned to calm it. I've learned to do what I'm... Um, breathe. But you still ha, feel it, the necessity it, it the to drugs, have the though, diazepam. I'm going to say, is it the drugs that calm you down? I don't, I don't think... I don't think it's much. I think I've got older. My children are all grown up now. Um... And I've found, I've been at university, I've met you both. Mm -hmm. You know who I am, I've been to the studio. Oh, right. I'm at university. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think since I've been at university the last three years, I've probably had two. Mm. I think that's because I've um, kind of, you're trying to keep up with the youngsters and I'm a yes. student. And it's it's stress of, again. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. have you tried to come off these tablets? Oh, lots of times. Mm. What happens when you do? I get tingles and the shakes and yeah I really can't but but do you sort of stop that just try and stop them completely or do you try to I have I've gone as much as say four days without them right I, I'm just thinking whether you should you should slowly wean yourself off them and not just stop taking them well the thing is as well I suffer rheumatoid arthritis as I've told you before mm -hmm. and they call they say diazepam is a muscle relaxant so it helps that. Complex issue. Charles, what is your take on this from what you've heard from Carol? Well, I, I took diazepam uh, for about four years and I had a similar experience uh, when I tried to, to um, withdraw from the drug. Right. I had terrible side um, withdrawal symptoms and side mm. effects from the drug. Mm. And I think, um, you know, this is an issue. People are given um, diazepam as a muscle relaxant and some people who don't suffer from anxiety res uh, receive it for that. Um, but they soon become addicted to the drug and it is an addictive drug. Um, in fact, it was Esther Ranson in, in the 70s who, um, who, who launched a campaign to stop the drug being used in this way. Uh, and actually, um, I believe that, that GPs were given guidelines, um, prescriptive guidelines on how it should be prescribed and for what period. And unfortunately, these are generally completely ignored by doctors. Uh, I mean, I was, I was only 23 when I went to the doctors with, with shaky legs, uh, and I was pres prescribed uh, Valium, diazepam at the time. I was just going to um, with Valium when I first went on. Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, within three weeks all the symptoms had come. At, at first they had a short-term therapeutic effect, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour afterwards. It was um, back to normal, and the more I took, the worse it got. Mm. And what they, what they failed to tell people is that diazepam, actually, if you read the, the prescriptive guidelines that are enclosed in the pack, it actually mentions that a side effect of, of diazepam use is anxiety, and that that is madness. It's ridiculous, isn't it? But, um, well, you're obviously not on it anymore. How so, did you so how did it? you get yourself off? Well, the secret to any withdrawal program, really, from any any um, um, you know whether it's a diazepam or, or a, um, an antidepressant, um, the key is the the, the rest periods in between um, reducing the dose. Uh, and what I found was, and what I um, tell people is that if they are going to reduce their dose, they need to allow their body to adjust to the new dose, whatever that may be. And with drugs like diazepam, whether it's 2 milligrams or, or 10 milligrams or 30 milligrams a day you're taking, um, the therapeutic effect can, can differ quite a lot. And what you need to do is, is just cut it down by a quarter of a tablet every two to three weeks. And even if you feel completely better after five days, stay at that dosage for the full three weeks. Mm. And what that does is it gives your body the time to, to, to relax to and it. get used to that new dosage before yeah. you move down to the next level. Mm. And it's the same with any drugs. I'm very angry that I've been mm. on these tablets. As you said, there was Valium to start off with and they changed the name to mm. the pump. Would you like to actually wean yourself off those? I would love to come off them. Right. So if you were to start doing that, obviously the next stage is to make sure that you know how to cope with a panic attack, yeah? Yeah. 
Because obviously you're going to be thinking, well, if I'm not on those, I just might have a panic attack. Yeah, it's your mind, isn't it? Right, yeah. I know that. So, Charles, um, you obviously have a method because you created the method yourself and it's been very successful. Mm -hmm. How do you cope with a panic, panic attack? And what is, what is the Linden method? <laughs> well, the Linden method, I devised it for myself when I was an anxiety sufferer. And um, what I did was I researched, um, I spoke to a lot of people who suffer from anxiety who I identified were, were getting better when I was still standing still and having panic attacks. And um, what I identified was that they were doing a number of things, lifestyle things, that I wasn't. And they were continuing with their lives moving forward, and I was just staying still. So I identified what those things were, uh, and I implemented those changes in my life and fine-tuned them over about seven years. Uh, and over those seven years, I devised what I call the Linden Method, which is um, a fairly, well, a very unique method. Um, it's used by a lot of people worldwide. Um, and it is, its prime concern is to redress the imbalance in the amygdala, which we discussed earlier, this small organ in the, in the center of the brain that controls the anxiety response. Uh, and the way it does that is, is through behavioural techniques. Um, now, a lot of people use um, cognitive behavioural therapy um, and to very little effect, actually, on the whole. Uh, a lot of my clients have had CBT, um, and it's uh, you know, a long, drawn-out process sometimes, and sometimes can be very costly as well. So, um, you know, a lot of people come to me having tried that. Uh, my method actually is, is, is similar to CBT, but n more along the lines of neuro-linguistic programming. Um, now, neurolinguistic programming, what it does is it addresses the, the behavioural aspect of anxiety disorder at its root, the amygdala, uh, and it, it teaches you new techniques, new behaviour that can modify the way the, the amygdala re reacts to anxiety or to anxiety-provoking stimuli. It sounds very complicated. It, it sounds complicated. It's very, very simple. Uh, it, it's a methodology that you follow. It's a lifestyle change. Um, it's, it's the simplest of all the therapies I've ever come across. Um, you literally apply nine um, rules, if you like, which I call the nine pillars, and they're the cornerstones of the method. They, you, you simply have to, um, uh, to follow those nine pillars, uh, implement them into your life, follow the rules, um, read the, the, the rest of the, the method manual, which includes a lot of information about the, the physiology of anxiety. Um, and what I do is I, I back that up with, um, with free counselling, basically. People can contact me anytime by email or by telephone uh, and discuss with me what problems they may be having. But on the whole, the majority of the people that, that I treat um, actually go away, read it, implement it, and don't contact me again other than three, four months down the road. They tell me that they, they're completely recovered, they're back at work, you know, I've saved their marriage. Um, it's, it's a very satisfying thing. So, so a success rate, what would you term it as in terms of percentage? It's very difficult because the majority of my clients, I mean, you know, I have clients all over the world, literally, um, you know, from, from here to Hong Kong to, you know, I have them in Asia, um, India. Um, so it's very difficult to trace some people because obviously they, they go away and, and get well and, and disappear into the ether. And you don't hear from them again. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think um, from what I can calculate, that you're looking at a success rate in the high 70s at least. Um, I do get returns, my method pack does get returned to me. I get between 3 and 5% returns, but most of those come back unopened. So I think the majority of people who receive the, the method manual are very satisfied and get long and lasting relief. And, and from the emails I receive, that seems to be the case. Right, so it all comes in a manual, and um, we, we'll give out a, an email address, um, well, a website address, website address yeah. uh, where, they can, well, yeah, yeah. where they can contact you and to find out uh, more about that. Does that sound more positive then for you, Carol? Sure, so Carol gone? Now, yeah. Right, okay. Um, for somebody like Carol, it, it's, it's um, I, I, I suppose it's sort of, um, 
gives you a very positive feeling for the future because people that have been suffering with it for 25 years must feel that this is this is basically it for the rest of my life. Absolutely. In fact, uh, one of my, my clients was a 72-year-old lady who phoned me. She'd suffered from anxiety. She was in America and she'd suffered from um, anxiety since she was 14. Um, she saw one of her parents shot dead in front of her and it, it sparked an anxiety attack. And she carried it with her all her life and she contacted me recently and said, I just want to live one day of my life without anxiety, without a panic attack. Um, so I, I sent her the, the method pack and three weeks later she phoned me and said, I want to leave it three weeks just to make sure, but I haven't panicked since I received it. And that's very satisfying, mm. you know, um, to achieve something where all, all of the people have failed with their, their therapists. Absolutely. Well, I hope we've given a little bit of hope, if not a lot of hope, to a lot of people tonight. Charles, thanks ever so much for joining us on The Late Show. Would you like to leave us with that website address of yours and that phone number, please? Okay, the, the phone number is uh, a Kidderminster number, and it's 01562 852750. And the web address is www.thelindenmethod, and that is T-H-E-L-I-N-D-E-N-M-E-T-H-O-D, .co.uk. So it's the lindenmethod.co.uk. Right, okay. I shall write that down in a moment. You're going a bit too fast for me there. <laughs> okay. The lindenmethod.co.uk and mm -hmm. the telephone number 01562 We'll make sure that we give that out again before the end of the programme. Charles Linden, pleasure meeting you. Thanks Thank very you. much indeed Thank for you. joining us. Tony Wadsworth and Julie Mayer. BBC WMWM.